Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. The first time I realized that Jesus took the absolute penalty, punishment, all of it for my sins, that was freedom for me. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. This week, I'm in the middle of a teaching that I've started just last Monday on Discover the Keys to Staying Full of God. And this title may put a few people off. They may say, what is that about? It's just basically saying that God is not the one who touches our life and then over a period of time, that experience we had with the Lord wanes and we get to where we're dry and we need another filling. Now, that happens often to most people, but that is not because that's the way that God wanted it to be. It's because of things we do that causes the things that God has done in our life to wane over a period of time. I've actually had one person describe it as like it's a, a bucket with a hole in it, and so God fills us up, but it just leaks out. We're leaky vessels. Well, I'll admit that that is the experience of most people, but you can plug those holes. This is not some, This is not the way it has to be. You can receive from God, and over a period of time, it can get better. And I've used myself as an example on this, that I had an experience with the Lord 51 years ago that I've never gotten over, and I never plan on getting over it. And the things of God are still fresh and alive, and actually, in many, many ways, it is more exciting to me today, and it is impacting my life more today what God did in me 51 years ago than it was back then. I certainly understand it more. I've seen the benefit and the fruit of it. And uh, I tell you, it doesn't have to get, uh, it doesn't have to lose its potency over a period of time. This is what I've been talking about. And as I said, this is my third day teaching on this, and I'm right in the middle of, the, of this teaching. So I was using Romans chapter 1, verse 21, and it's talking about how that everybody at one time had an intuitive knowledge of God's righteousness and their unrighteousness and their need for God. That's what Romans 1, 18 through 20 is talking about. But in verse 21, it talks about how you can deaden yourself to this intuitive knowledge of God, this intuitive voice that is on the inside of every person. And so what I'm doing is showing these are how people diminish what God has done in their life. If you understand how that process works, then you can reverse it. You can turn it around. And if you'll do the opposite of what it's saying right here, you can keep what God has done in your life fresh and alive. So in Romans 1.21, it says, "...because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened." And so I started talking about all of this yesterday, but the word glorify means to value, to put worth and value, to prize. Or I also turned over to Romans chapter 11, verse 13, where Paul used this exact same word, the same Greek word, and he used it and it was translated magnify. So another way of saying that you have to glorify God is you have to magnify what God has done. The word magnify means to make bigger. Now, what God, who God is and what He has done 
is just a static thing. It's a truth. It, it, regardless of whether you value it, magnify it or not, God is who He is. But as far as your heart goes, as far as your understanding goes, you can make God bigger or you can make the problem bigger. And this is what I was ending uh, with yesterday on our program. I use this example of like a seesaw that, you know, if one end is up, the other end has to be down. But if you start raising this end, well, then the other end goes down. They cannot both be up at the same time. And if you are valuing, magnifying what God has done, and then a problem comes into your life, criticism comes into your life, tragedy comes into your life, if you start glorifying that, now you may not use that word, but if you start magnifying that and focusing on that, automatically your value on what God has done in your life will be diminished. You can't glorify God and the problem at the same time. So a key to maintaining what God has done in your life is to just get so focused on God to where you constantly are magnifying, valuing, prizing what God has done in your life that in relation to that, nothing else compares. And that's, most people would think that's impossible. You can't live that way. Well, you can. It's not necessarily automatic and it's probably not normal. It's, it's not the physical, natural thing, but this is what the Holy Spirit will empower you to do. He is sent to glorify Jesus. That's what it says, I think, four times in John 14, 15, and 16. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to glorify Jesus, to help you keep the value on Jesus that you were supposed to have. You know, again, let me go back and just give you a testimony on this, that March the 23rd, 1968, I was 18 years old, and I had an encounter where God just showed me His love and it transformed my life. I mean, I fell in love with God. Now, I had been born again for 10 years at that time, but I hadn't understood the depth of God's love, the, the reality of how real He was. I mean, it just rocked my world. And the very next day, this was on a Saturday night that I got this revelation of God's love for me. On Sunday morning, I stood up in front of my Baptist church and I didn't know how to express it, but I just said, man, God touched my life. I am filled with the Spirit of God. I am full of God. And you would have thought that I cussed. I had the pastor come out against me and say, who do you think you are? You know, Paul was filled with the Spirit. Do you think you're like the Apostle Paul? Do you think you're like this? Who are you to say that you are full of God? And so I had the pastor of the church criticize me. I had uh, many of the people in the church criticize me. People didn't understand. I may not have expressed it the best I could. I didn't know what to say. I just felt so full of God, so full of the love and the joy of God that I said I was filled with the Spirit. And you would have thought... It, it was terrible. If I would have said that I committed adultery, people would have given me mercy and grace and said, well, you can, you can overcome that. But to say that I was filled with the Spirit, they just basically accused me of blasphemy and I began to start being criticized. So here I was valuing what God had said about me. I was magnifying it and feeling so much love and joy. Within 24 hours, I had people start criticizing me. Now, if I would have valued what they said, 
this example I gave of the seesaw, then I would have started immediately diminishing. You can't value and glorify and magnify what God says and other people at the same time. So I had people, the pastor of the church, people who were adults. I was only 18 years old. They began to start criticizing me. And if I would have valued people's opinion more than I valued what I had experienced from God, you know what that would have done? It would have decreased that experience. It would have started letting that love and joy and acceptance that I fell from God start leaking out of me. And here I am 51 years later, I wouldn't be able to say that I've never lost my joy and enthusiasm over that. And see, this is what happens. God touches your life. Say you go to church on Sunday and God speaks to you and you have some encounter with the Lord and man, you're just riding high and you feel the love of God and you're magnifying God, but then you go to work on Monday and it may not even be related to your specific experience, but you just go in and say, for instance, your boss comes in and starts criticizing you or says, we're going to lay everybody off or we aren't giving raises this year or something else happens. And here you are just flying high, glorifying God over what He's done in your life, but now something negative happened. If you start focusing on that and thinking about this, oh, what am I going to do if I don't get a raise? What am I going to do if I get laid off? And if you start magnifying and focusing on that and making that bigger, well, then instantly what God had done in your life the day before starts losing its potency in your life. And it's subtle. Most people don't even realize it. But this is how that when God touches you, it, it seems to have an expiration date and it doesn't last. It's because you let other things come in that you value and prize and magnify instead of what God has done in your life. Boy, that's powerful. Here's another example that right after this experience that I was talking about, March the 23rd, 1968, uh, I just fell so in love with God that I lost interest in anything. I had a horse that I rode every day of my life. And it was probably four months or something later before I even thought about that horse. I didn't know if anybody had fed the horse. I didn't know. I, had, I just forgot everything. I became a stark, raving, mad fanatic for God. I was so in love with the Lord that nothing else mattered. And anyway, I'd lost my interest in college. I was in my first year of college, and I just, it's a long story, but the Lord told me to quit college, that that wasn't what God had for me. And uh, boy, when I did that, I got in a lot of trouble because I was getting $350 a month from the government as long as I went to college. It was uh, Social Security payments from my father's death and as long as I was in college, I got this $350 a month. Plus, I was accepted by everybody. It seemed to be the normal, acceptable things to do. In my family, everybody in my family has graduated from college except me. I'm the first one in generations that didn't graduate from college. And um, so anyway, there was criticism, there was rejection there, and it was during the height of the Vietnam War, and they had instituted the draft, and I had a deferment from the draft as long as I was in school. But if I quit school, I was going to be classified 1A and sent to Vietnam. So there was a lot of reasons 
not to quit college, but I just felt like that's what God, God told me to do. And I was glorifying God and magnifying God so much that everything else down here, even going to Vietnam, even losing money, anything, it didn't matter. I just loved God. And so I did it, and I was glad to make that decision because I felt like that's what God told me to do. Well, as soon as I quit school, they reclassified me for the draft, and I was sent for a pre-induction physical to see if I was uh, capable of being drafted. And anyway, I passed the physical, and so a recruiter came to my house. And like I said, by this time I was 19 years old, but this recruiter was probably in his 30s. He was representing the United States government. He had the ability to draft me or whatever. And so anyway, he came into my home. He opened up his briefcase. He got out all of his brochures and put them on the table. And he started giving me all of the reasons why I should volunteer for the military instead of being drafted and telling me that I could choose where I wanted to go. Maybe I could miss going to Vietnam, etc. And he just started his spiel and started trying to get me to sign up for the, uh, for the military. And so I just stopped him and I said, look, I can save us both a lot of time. I said, the reason that I was classified 1A and was sent for this pre-induction physical is because uh, I quit school and I lost my student deferment. And he said, that's right. And I said, well, but see, God told me to quit school. And so I'm following God and I'm just totally in God's hands. If he wants me drafted, I'll be drafted. And if he doesn't, I won't. And when I said that, this recruiter just broke out laughing. And he says, boy, I can guarantee you, you are going to Vietnam. Now, here's what was happening. I was magnifying God. I was thinking, God, you're awesome. You're bigger than the United States government. I don't care what, what the consequences would be in the natural. I glorify you. I magnify you. And I disesteemed. I, I did not magnify the Vietnam War, the conflict, all of the things that it could cost me. I was glorifying God. Well, this recruiter came in and he was the exact opposite. He magnified his position, the U.S. government. He did not place value on God. And when I said that I'm in God's hands and if God wants me drafted, I'll be drafted. And if he doesn't, I won't. He just devalued God to nothing and he placed his carnal way of looking at things up here. And it was the exact opposite of what I was doing. And when I saw the way that he just disdained God, did not value God at all, it made me mad. So here was this guy, a representative of the U.S. government. He was probably twice as old as I was. And he had power to do things with my life. And yet, it just made me mad that he didn't have any, he didn't glorify God at all. That man, I remember when he said that, I got in his face and I put my finger right in his chest, pointing at him and saying, look, if God wants me drafted, I'll be drafted. And if he doesn't, I won't. And I said, you are the United States government or every demon in hell can't draft me if God doesn't want me drafted. <laughs> you know what I did? I kept glorifying God and I disesteemed, devalued anything contrary to what God had said to me. And I mean, when I did that, I remember that this guy, he just looked at me. He 
put all of his stuff back in his briefcase, closed it, and walked out the door. He never even said a word to me. And did you know the very next morning in the mail, I had my draft notice, and I was drafted and sent to Vietnam. And at the time, I mean, I just didn't care about it because I was glorifying God, and it didn't matter to me if I was in Vietnam or wherever I was. And I wished I would have looked at that draft notice and see if there was a stamp on it and whether it really came in the mail or whether I think that this guy probably went down and processed my papers and put the draft notice in there, and he probably came and put it back in my mailbox. I don't know how it happened, but I don't really care. You know, I meant what I said, and I was just glorifying God so much that, you know, going to Vietnam, being drafted, losing money from the government, receiving criticism from people who didn't understand, nothing else. I didn't magnify anything else. I kept magnifying God. And because of that, I can tell you that here I am 51 years later, and I'm still glorifying God. I have never lost the joy and the benefit about God touching my life. Man, I've never gotten over it. And I don't know very many people that can say things like that. And it's because something happens, like I just described, about something coming into your life. And if you start magnifying that, focusing on that, it becomes bigger than God, and you lose the benefit and the joy of it. But by the grace of God, I can say that, man, I have kept glorifying God and magnifying God for choosing me. I tell you, I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I was just talking to a man, Dean Radke. Actually, he's on my board of directors. Many of you might know him from... He's got a ministry and has touched people all over the world. And anyway, he was just this, uh, you know, powerful executive that worked with uh, Avon and the Limited and has had great success. And then he got born again, and God called him out of that, and now he's training people uh, how to take these godly business principles that he's learned and apply them to their ministry and things like this. And anyway, I was talking to Dean, and he was talking about how he had to give up so much that he was making all of this money, and he had so many opportunities in the secular world, and yet God called him out of it. Well, with me, it was just the opposite. I didn't have anything. I was going nowhere. I've never been a great success at anything. I am not claiming that this is something that I deserved, that I earned, that God looked at me and thought, man, I could really use what you've got. Man, I was going nowhere in a hurry. I, and I just, I am so appreciative that God valued me, that God called me into the ministry. I don't deserve it. And man, I've never gotten over it. I am just so thankful that God has chosen me. You know, the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and following, that you see your calling, brethren, that not many mighty, not many noble after the flesh are called, but God hath chosen the weak things of the world, base things of the world, things that are despised, things that are nothing, to bring to naught things that are. And the reason He does that is so that no flesh will glory in His presence. Man, I... I am thankful. I have glorified God every day for the last 51 years for the fact that He's touched my life. And because I've done that, even when recruiters came out against me and said, you're going to get drafted if you don't change something, even when the pastors of the church, even when family members, 
even when all of these other things have happened, by the grace of God, I have just been so thankful and so focused on, on glorifying God. I've placed value on what God did touching my life. And because of it, I can truthfully say I have never lost my joy, my excitement, my thankfulness, my love for the Lord because of it. And this is a key. This is the first key. There's four things right here in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And the first thing is you have to glorify God. You have to magnify Him. You have to place value on what He's done. And I'm telling you, there's things that we can do that will just keep us focused on the goodness of God and on all of the things that He's done in our life. I had a man come to me one time and he needed prayer. And he was, uh, I forget the exact details, but it was something like $100 that he needed that day or he was going to lose his uh, apartment or something. I don't know. Anyway, he was in a financial need and it was a relatively small amount of money. And he was so focused on that. See, he, he had been magnifying the problem so much that he had just forgotten all the great things that God had done. And he was in despair. He was, he was just totally depressed over this situation. And he came to me and asked me for prayer. And because I knew him personally and knew what he had been through, I mean, this guy was saved out of drug addiction his life. He was nearly dead. God saved his physical life, saved his spiritual life, saved his marriage. He had performed miracles for him of finances in the thousands of dollars before. But see, this guy was so focused on his problem that he had forgotten all of these other things. So when he came to me and asked for prayer, you know what I did? I just started reminding him. I said, do you remember what your life was like when you got saved? Do you remember how that, man, you were close to death and that God was faithful to you and He did this? And then I started reminding him of things where God had come through financially for him. And you know what I was doing? He was magnifying the problem. Here was the problem and here was God down here. I started glorifying God. And as I glorified God and talked about the faithfulness of God, it just shrunk his problem down to nothing and faith rose in his heart, and he just rose up. And man, I don't even remember actually praying with him. I just encouraged him and reminded him. I glorified God. And as I did, his faith rose, and he was able to, uh, you know, overcome that problem and, and it's doing great today. I'm telling you that this is the process, whether you realize it or not. It's not even intentional, conscience, conscious sometimes. But if God has ever touched your life, He hasn't changed in His opinion of you. He still loves you just as much. If you don't have the same sense and awareness of God's love, it's not God who quit loving you. It's you that allowed something else to grab your attention. You started magnifying it, and as you did, the value and the worth that you had placed upon what God had done was diminished. All you got to do is just go back and start glorifying God. Start reminding yourself. Start praising God for the great things that He's done, for the way that He's touched your life. And as you do that, everything else just pales in comparison. Did you know that God created you for great things? He's placed His power and purpose inside you, and He wants to do more in your life than you can think or imagine. At Karis, 
get immersed in the Word of God and walk in power and purpose for a lifetime. I'd like to encourage you to pray about whether or not God wants you to participate in our Karis Bible College. You know, Bible College is powerful. We are seeing people's lives change. And I know that some of you are thinking, well, I can't come to Colorado. Well, we have extension schools literally scattered all over the world. And somebody says, but there isn't one in my area. Well, we've got an online course where you actually become a part of a class. You can work at your own pace, but you do have to complete the materials in a certain given time. We've got a lot of ways for you to take advantage of it. So please pray about it and then join us at Karis Bible College. You have an amazing purpose, and it's time to step into the life God created you to live. A disciple is a person who continues in the Word until it sets them free. Karis Bible College. Change your life. Change the world. Welcome to your place called there. Andrew's complete series titled Discover the Keys to Staying Full of God is available in either a CD album or in a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. This teaching is also available in book form, or you can get it in a companion study guide which will deepen your personal understanding and is perfect for Bible studies, home groups, and Sunday schools. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. Or if you prefer, these products are available as part of the Discover the Keys package. This package includes the book, the companion study guide, and your choice of either the CD or DVD album. This package has a catalog value of $80, but you can receive all of these valuable resources today for a gift of $55. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of May, Andrew will be in Telford, England for the annual UK Grace and Faith Conference with speakers Wendell Parr, John Donnelly, Dominic Burns, and Dwayne Sheriff. In June, he'll be in Dumfries, Scotland and at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park for the Kingdom Business Summit with guest speakers Willie Robertson, Dr. Henry Cloud, Andrew Mason, Lance Walnow, Paul Milligan, Billy Epperhart, Dr. Dean Radke, and Karen Conrad. In July, Andrew will be in Woodland Park for the annual Summer Family Bible Conference, 
along with speakers Barry Bennett, Stephen Bransford, Carrie Pickett, Greg Moore, Wendell Parr, Paul Milligan, Lawson Perdue, Billy Epperhart, Mark Coward, and Congressman Bob McEwen. Then he'll be back in Woodland Park to host the Stand for Truth and Liberty Conference with special guest Bishop E.W. Jackson. Also in July, Andrew will be hosting a special Karis Day live stream event. Please note that the main campus in Woodland Park will not be open to guests. This event will take place only at participating Karis Extension campuses worldwide. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net.